I'm only human after all And you're only human after all Don't put the blame on me Welcome to Ponder Exchange, a podcast about Christian faith and armed service hosted by me, Brother Logan Isaac. First Formation is spiritual exercise for high church lowlifes looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join us every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Chris Chavez, Active Duty, United States Army. Psalm 75. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks. Your name is near. People tell of your wondrous deeds. At the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters with all its inhabitants, it is I who keep its pillars steady. I say to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high, or speak with insolent neck. For not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, with foaming wine, well mixed. He will pour a draft from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. But I will rejoice forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. Nahum, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and rages against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. And the Lord will will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry, and he dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the bloom of Lebanon fades. The mountains quake before him, and the hills melt. The earth heaves before him, and the world and all who live in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and by him the rocks are broken in pieces. The Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of trouble. He protects those who take refuge in him, even in a rushing flood. He will make a full end of his adversaries, and will pursue his enemies into darkness. Why do you plot against the Lord? He will make an end, no adversary will rise up twice. Like thorns they are entangled, like drunkards they are drunk. They are consumed like draw straw, like dry straw. From you one has gone out, who plots evil against the Lord, one who counsels wickedness. Thus says the Lord, though they are at full strength and many, they will be cut off and pass away. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. And now I will break off his yoke from you and snap the bonds that bind you. Revelation chapter 14 verses 12 through 20. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and hold fast to the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, 
Blessed are the dead who from now on die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Then I looked, and there was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to the one who sat on the cloud, Use your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So the one who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Then another angel came out of the altar, the angel who has authority over fire, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Use your sharp sickle and gather the clutches of the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and gathered the vintage of the earth, and he threw it into the great, the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the, from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for a distance of about 200 miles. Welcome to the 8th Monday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 75, Nahum 1, and Revelation 14. And uh, Chris Chavez has uh, provided the reading for us. And um, the uh, it's a long series of readings. And the interesting part for me came toward the end. Um, part of it had to do with uh, some of the work I do now. The end of Revelation, or this reading of Revelation, uh, another angel comes out and talks about reaping the clusters of the vine of the earth uh, because the grapes are ripe. And the angel swings a sickle, gathers the vintage of the earth, throws into the wine press of the wrath of God, and that wine press was trodden outside the city, and the blood flowed from the wine presses from a high, as high as a horse's bridle, for two hundred miles. And I, uh, I mentioned that, or I, I, it stood out to me because I work at in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. I work with the uh, the park service there at a private nonprofit bookstore, and we we specialize in. Um, you know, books and everything, but we also provide certified tour guides and all kinds of other things. I've been working there for, I don't know, maybe uh, under a year, I think. And um, John Brown is kind of the major attraction to Harper's Ferry. John Brown is uh, a radical abolitionist who came to Harper's Ferry when it was one of the federal arsenals, one of two federal arsenals, and he wanted to take the the rifles and the rest of the ammunition and everything and lead a slave rebellion in the South. And it was none other than Robert E. Lee who came from uh, the government of Virginia to um, put down his revolt. And he was arrested, tried, and hanged. And there's a song, a a cadence that came out of uh, that event called John Brown's Body. And the tune of that song uh, became the Battle Hymn of the Republic, which is still a really popular um, song in some circles. And it was written uh, by Julia Ward Howe, and she wrote it after um, 
visiting with President Lincoln and seeing a military march, and they were calling out John Brown's body. And Lincoln knew that they needed something to kind of rally people, but John Brown's body just didn't tickle his fancy for some reason. So he asked uh, Julia Ward Howe to write a new song, a, a battle hymn for the Republic, the Federals, which she did. And the first version of which, the first verse of the first version, there's a bunch of versions, uh, and maybe you've, you'll recognize it. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful, fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Um, in the same way, uh, verse 19, the angel swung a sickle over the earth and gathered the vintage of the earth, and he threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So the battle hymn of the Republic is taking uh, from this passage in Revelation. Um, and the grapes of wrath come from this verse as well. Um, the, the grapes are, well, they're, they're people, they're human bodies. And when the press goes over them, uh, or when they're trodden underfoot, an old school way to, uh, to press the wine, uh, what comes out is not grape juice, but there's a big ass truck. Um, but is blood, and so much of it flows that it reaches the, you know, the, the top of a high horse in the city. So it's not a pretty picture, um, but uh, Revelation doesn't try to paint a, a pretty picture. Um, the and what what's interesting to me about um, uh, John Brown is that he was. An extra, you know, a radical pacifist, or not a pacifist, abolitionist. He was known for going around uh, during Bleeding Kansas, and he had a small army, and he would go knock very politely on the door of plantations, and he'd ask for the master of the house, and when he came, uh, John Brown would cut him in half with a sword. Um, this happened at least, it happened more than once, but it, um, uh, that's um, one of the reasons it was called Bleeding Kansas was when it was sorting out whether it would be a free state or a slave state. Forces like John's would go around and try and convince people um, to either be abolitionists or be a slave state. And years later, in 1859, when Brown tries to lead a slave rebellion, Robert E. Lee comes to, um, to capture him. And Lee is successful. And um, Lee, of course, then goes on to lead the, um, the Army of the Potomac. Um, and it's his battle flag that a lot of people think is the Confederate flag. And it was and it wasn't, but that's another matter. Um, and what struck me about um, John Brown and Robert E. Lee, they both actually believed the same thing. They defended very different social structures, but they both believed that violence was the answer, that violence was the way that change is made. John Brown believed that if he would arm slaves, um, they would rise up and the South would be defeated without you know, any need of the Civil War. Robert E. Lee believed the exact same thing, um, that um, when the time came, he chose uh, 
to to lead an army under a foreign nation against American troops, um, American troops that he had once led. He believed that um, to uh, defend states' rights to slavery, he would take up arms with Jefferson Davis and uh, all the rest, Donald Jackson, etc. Um, and what's I think is unfortunate is that we believe that same thing. Uh, we believe often that violence is ultimately what changes the world. Um, we usually believe that if we really want things done, it takes a little bit of brute force to get our way, which we often think is the right way. Um, and this is uh, the great folly that led to the Civil War. Um, uh, Robert E. Lee was um, new to quartermaster of the Union Army before the Civil War. And um, the when he decided to fight with Virginia and therefore the Confederacy, um, the quartermaster, who's an old friend, um, he, um, he discovered that Lee had uh, an overdue item he owed money to the quartermaster, to basically the United States Army. And so to collect on that debt, which the quartermaster claimed had grown, um, he, he seized his property in Arlington, Virginia. And we now know that as Arlington National Cemetery. That was Robert E. Lee's property that was seized by the Federal Army. And the very first body that was buried um, was uh, went into Robert Lee's Rose Garden um, as a reminder, I'm sure, by his friend who did not abandon the United States. Uh, it was a reminder of the blood that was on his hands that would be right there. Uh, I forgot to mention the property itself, the building wasn't seized until later. The land was seized first. And so if Robert Lee were to go home, let's say the war ended or whatever, he would have dead bodies in his rose garden, dead bodies of American soldiers that he had contributed to killing. Um, and John Brown, of course, was captured and hanged. His slave revolt didn't turn out. Uh, slaves did not come out from Virginia to take up arms as, as he wanted. Um, and yet we still believe the myth of redemptive violence, that uh, if we really want things to go well, if we want to change the world for the better, it takes a little bit of violence on our part. Um, and that is this great paradox, this unfortunate reality that, um, that we continue to believe this for the most part, even though we have all of history to look at and see that it's never worked. Uh, so the Battle Hymn of the Republic, um, as you know, many cadences and military songs, um, the, the story behind it is, is tragic. Um, it, it did rally the troops as Lincoln wanted, but by the end of the war, Lincoln would be dead, um, and the, uh, what the, his lasting, I think, theological insight that still remains so incredible to this day is that God doesn't choose sides in a war, even if both sides try and choose God. Um, the Battle of the Republic um, testifies to the 
that that God does not choose, even if both sides choose God. Um, Julia Ward Howe, the words of the song, um, all are very clear about how right the Union thought their cause was and how right it might have been. Um, but it also doesn't pull any punches about how it believes the rightness of their cause needed to be achieved. And I hope that someday soon we might be convinced of the reality that um, it's not violence that saves, but rather it's God. A prayer for peace from the Book of Common Prayer. Eternal God, in whose perfect kingdom no sword is drawn but the sword of righteousness, no strength known but the strength of love, so mightily spread abroad your spirit that all peoples may be gathered under the banner of the Prince of Peace, as children of one Father, to whom be dominion and glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.